Hey team, it's Matt Rinkine here. And you might have heard, my brand new book releases on Amazon on March 8th. It's been a labor of love that I think can really help you navigate some of the challenges you're experiencing in your own life. I go over toxic positivity and how to think you're in it for everyone else. In reality, you're in it for yourself. And I express that through this entire book and help learn from our own mistakes and how to turn the lens on ourselves and ask good questions. So go to Amazon on March 8th and you can get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. That's it for me. Let's get into today's episode. Okay, well, that is the first time we have started off the episode with someone dancing. So thank you for bringing the energy. And my guest today is no other than brand leader to the stars, to high profile people. This is Johanna White. And it's a real special privilege to have her on because she is incredibly influential and phenomenal. And it's already been a good conversation. So Johanna, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. I'm pumped to be here. As you can see, I felt the need to start with Happy Dance. So yeah. Let's do this. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to throw the trap out there and see if you step into it. And I know the answer before. How are you doing today? (laughs) I am doing amazing, fantastic, better than great. Oh, awesome. What does that mean to you in your world? Amazing, fantastic, better than great. It means that circumstances are good, but how I feel about them and how I feel about what's possible and what's next is even beyond that because I am choosing joy. I am choosing to stay in the state of focusing on all of the potential in my life. So better than great. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. I love it. What's coming out of me right now is I feel like asking you like today, what is something that is already happened or that you think is going to happen today in your calendar? Just what is something that that causes you to feel that joy and have this energy? Because you're bringing it. I love it. And (laughs) what's something today that causes you to feel that perspective? Well, I woke up this morning and I checked my calendar and I saw that I was going to be a guest on the Eternal Optimist podcast. Mm -hmm. And I just love the name of your show. Like I immediately went, oh yeah, that's today. Those are my people. I can't freaking wait talk to Matt. This is going to be amazing. And then also I have looked at the weather and made plans to play hooky this afternoon, hop on my motorcycle and go out to the barn to ride my horse. So I have stacked the deck for, it's going to be a fantastic day. Like you can't go wrong. Wow. (laughs) Super cool. Motorcycle, barn, riding horse, so many cool, (laughs) unique things. How long have you been riding horses and motorcycles? (laughs) (laughs) Horses probably since I was six or seven That's how long it took me to talk my parents into taking me for my first birthday ride. And I have been nonstop riding pretty much ever since and always part of my life to the point that when I met my husband and we started dating, I told him right up front, there will always be horses. There will always be motorcycles. Are you okay with that? Yes or no? Check yes. (laughs) Or we're not going to work. So always part. Motorcycles I've been riding since I was 19, I think. I took my first motorcycle safety course as a way to punch fear in the face because I always liked getting on the back with friends, but I was always a little bit scared and it kind of sucked the fun out of it for me when you're scared. 
I decided that the best way to deal with that fear was to face it head on. So I went and took a course, got my license, got my bike, and I've been riding weather depending ever since. I live in Michigan, so it's not a year-round activity, but that just makes it even more exciting when the weather is right, that it's like, yes, it's a bike day. (laughs) Nice, nice. Well, my family immigrated to the United States from Ellis Island to go to Michigan, and my whole family tree for the Drinkon family is from Monroe, Michigan, up there near Detroit. So my most important question is Wolverines or Spartans? Neither. (laughs) Oh. Okay, my heart's palpitating. There's not going to be a red team from the South that starts to come up. But anyway, now, what, 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 uh, I'm speechless. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm mostly sport team agnostic. Okay. I was too busy riding my horse to get into sports. Then I married a Purdue grad. Oh, okay. a Purdue. And- oh, love the Boilermakers. Okay, okay. They're, they're okay. They're okay. All right. Good, 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 good. All right. All right. Super cool. All right. Check that box. And a lot of my clients and friends, they're Buckeyes, and we still have a healthy love and it can be sometimes fierce. Okay. So let's get to the hard stuff. Let's get to the hard stuff. I like to ask our guests, what's the hardest thing you've ever been through? So you can start now, like today, the hardest thing, or you can go all the way back to childhood. And we'll like to explore with you just some of the things that have been defining moments in your life that have been challenges for you. So Johanna, take us where you'd like to. Well, I would say the all-time hardest thing I've ever been through would be about 10 years ago when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor completely out of the blue. I went from perfectly healthy to partially paralyzed with collapsed vocal cords, collapsed throat, like atrophied muscles and food coming out of my nose instead of going where it should, and went from being fit, healthy, strong identity to suddenly don't know if I'm going to live or die. That became the catalyst for everything that is in my life today as far as my choices to choose joy, to live life to the fullest, and to not go out having never tried. So that's the really short answer. And I know we're going to say a lot more. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Wow. So Wow. I'm feeling something on the inside about a lot of things, you know, about help, about identity being shattered and forced to change, all all kinds of things. So let's go back to that time about 10 years ago. Why did you go to the doctor in the first place? Was annual physical or were you feeling something? Just what (laughs) happened there that day? No, no. So I was such a healthy person, at least I thought, to my knowledge, that I was never an annual physical person. My family was on the Republican health care plan, which was don't get sick. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Got it. But you were healthy. You were exercising, eating decently. Yep. All of those things. And I was like very, very strong tomboy, horses, motorcycles. You get the picture. Yeah. Grip strength, 10 pounds stronger than the average man, 40 pounds stronger than the average woman. I kind of had my identity and I'm this fit, unbreakable human. And that was the only part of my life that I was really proud of because up till that point, that was age 25, up till that point, fear had pretty much driven the bus in my life, made all my decisions. And so I was at a 
okay job earning peanuts. It was not even coming close to living up to what I was capable of as far as talent, but it was safe. I was technically working in my degree, um, (laughs) so forth and so on. Relationships were just okay. I had a few friends. I never felt like I could quite really hold on to them and then they would slip away. We'll come back to that part because it's related to the other hardest thing in my life, but that's a different story. Oh, okay. Making a note. But I was 25 years old, still living in my parents' basement, just waiting for the day when I was finally going to shine. Okay. And that day just kept never coming because anytime an opportunity even sort of arose, I looked at all the things that could go wrong and went, nah, I'm going to stay safe. So that was me, but I was feeling good about Johanna's a strong person. And then I woke up in the middle of the night with a pounding migraine. I'd never had even so much as really headaches before. Migraine that felt like a pickaxe through my skull would not go away. It lasted for three days. I slept in a closet because the (laughs) like a pinprick of light would make me throw up. Even through that three days, I still told myself, I'm okay. Too much screen time. All the reasons why this is probably not that big a deal, but there was still immediate fear. And I think a knowing that something different is really, really wrong. When that migraine lifted, it was like instant paralysis. So left side just wasn't working like it should. I couldn't raise my left arm very well. My muscles in my neck and shoulder atrophied just instantly, like deflating a balloon, gone. I was choking a lot, trying to swallow. It felt like something was constantly squeezing my throat and food was coming out of my nose instead of going down my throat. So it still took about a day for my parents to finally say, we're going to the ER because very, very, very wrong here. Something's very wrong. But even then, there were no immediate answers. We went to the ER and they told me I was imagining things. Oh, okay. They ran a scope down my throat and didn't find anything blocking it. So since I was describing choking, they just said, well, nothing there. It's some sort of mental thing where you think there's something wrong and there's not. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. This is all in the span of three days. and All in the span of three days. Instantly starting to get paralysis and atrophy muscles. You go to the doctor and they're telling you you're imagining this. Ah, Sorry to hear that. Okay. So... We had a friend of the family who's a chiropractor and a really, really strong Christian. And he's going to come back into this story very heavily in a minute. But we went to see him because I was like, well, they say I'm imagining things, but you're a chiropractor. At least tell me about the muscles or maybe it's a pinched nerve or something like that. Okay. So I go to him and he's way beyond a chiropractor. He's very, very knowledgeable about all things body and disc. And he looked at it and said, Based on your symptoms, I am writing a recommendation you need to go see a neurologist. He was really smart, got me in. I think first they cycled me to an ear, nose, and throat doctor who did all kinds more tests. And then they said officially off to the neurologist for uh, MRI. They did the MRI. So none of this happened overnight. That's the other funny thing about health journeys is you feel like you're dying and you think you'll go to the ER and then you'll get diagnosed and then your treatment plan begins or whatever. (laughs) Kind of like Kyle's story, you know? Kyle Sullivan, instant this, instant that, we're off to surgery. That's what I thought would happen. Not like that at all. It was like 10 days of doctor, doctor, guessing this, that before the final diagnosis came in. So I dropped a bunch of weight in just 10 days because I couldn't eat or much drink anything. So I'm like a walking stick. 
finally get the last MRI and go through all the process. And they call me at work the next day, I think. I was working in this crummy job, working second shift, alone at the office, 8 p.m. It's kind of how my life is rolling at the moment. And when you get a call from a doctor at 8 p.m., you know it's not really going to be great news. Um, <laughs> let's yeah. just say my optimism yeah. was low at okay. that moment. The times like that. Yeah. <laughs> so he calls you. me and he okay. tells me, we found a mass. It's wrapped around your ninth and 10th cranial nerves. It's causing all of these symptoms because those drive motor function, uh, swallowing, vocal cords, all this stuff. That kind of started the downward spiral. Okay. Well, before we go to the downward spiral, <laughs> tell me when you had that eight o'clock call to the doctor and he says the words, we found a mass. What's going through your mind at that exact moment when you found a mass? Well, the heart just plummets. The first thing going through my mind is all the questions. Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Am I going to die? And I asked him that. First, I asked, what does this mean? And he says, we don't know. Tell me more. We don't really know. We'll need to do further tests. We'll need to do a brain biopsy. We'll need to do all these things. Until then, everything is inconclusive. The results are inconclusive. That phrase became my unchosen from the external mantra for the next two years. The results are inconclusive. So I went heart sinking. I just want to know something. Give me answers, please, so I can be certain about something. I've spent my whole life choosing to play it safe for the sake of certainty. And here I am having done nothing that I know of. And what did I do to deserve this? I was a healthy person. How did I end up here? Not fair. All of the typical things when when health happens. So spiral and went home immediately, called my boss, left work, obviously went home, told my parents. Then something amazing happened, which is before I had a chance to go spread this story to the rest of the world and tell them, poor me, I am sick, bad is happening, brace yourself. That family friend, the chiropractor, my dad called him because they're really, really best buds. My dad called him kind of distraught and like, Doc, I don't know what to do. Where's my faith right now? This is happening. Doc canceled 50 patients that he had on his books for the next day and showed up on my porch with a brand new iPad mini preloaded with the Olive Tree Bible app and every verse he had ever found about healing. He handed it to me and he said, this is tools for the battle and we're going to fight. Grab your parents. (laughs) We're going for a walk. And we went for a walk. So I've gotten the diagnosis, but I haven't had a chance to hardly even process. I haven't had a chance to start telling people, making plans doing all of these things. So before I had the chance to do any of that, he stopped me in my tracks and said, Johanna, I am going to challenge you. You have said your whole life that you believe in God and that you believe in healing and that you believe it's for you. But right in this moment, you're not talking like it and you're not acting like it. This is your chance to actually do something about what you believe, to actually stand on your faith now. And of course, I wanted to punch him in the face because I just wanted to lick my wounds and feel sorry for myself. And what am I supposed to tell everybody? This thing is going on. Like literally my body's not working. Am I supposed to fake it till I make it? Am I supposed to just say I'm fine when I'm falling apart? And I had grown up in a church that was pretty messed up, different story for a different day. But long story short, there was a lot of like fake healings in that environment where they would lay hands on somebody and that somebody would still be sick in that instance, and they would hobble off, but say, 
I'm healed because they wanted to just prove that it worked. And okay. so I had all of those like erroneous, not actual healings in my brain. And I refused to be that person. I refused to be a fraudster. I refused to be an imposter, any of these things. And so I immediately am like, that's all swirling through my head as he's telling me you need to stand on your faith. So I spit back with, of course, all the reasons why I'm not going to do that, why it can't work. I'm not a liar, all this stuff. And he just kind of calms me down and says, it's not about faking it. It's not about telling people that nothing's going on. It's about not owning it. So he just challenged me to change the way I said things and to say, the doctors said this, or the MRI showed this, but not to own it, not to talk about my tumor or my sickness, and not to say I am sick, but rather I am being healed. And (laughs) also to just change the way I spoke to myself every day. And this was my very first Honestly, this was my first like toe dip into personal development and changing your thinking, actually changing your life. I had never read any books before that on the subject, none of this. So everything that happened on my healing journey was simply a result of this one person's encouragement plus my faith and deciding to actually stand on what I believed all these years. Wow. Okay, so let's pause. Let's go back for a second here (laughs) because you just hit a bunch of amazing points. One of them is this collision or this intersection where your dear friend, the chiropractor, held you accountable to the way you were speaking to yourself. And then you spit back all the reasons why it's not going to work or what the excuses and the shift that he uh, recommended for you is to own it. In that moment when you were challenged to own it, what happened from there in terms of the way you started to speak to yourself? Was it like instant or were you still kind of pissed off at him and you just couldn't hear him in that moment and it took you like a day or a week? Because that is the moment that the amazing human speaking to us right now, somewhere between now and then you decided to own it and now you teach other people how to do it and you're like the best brand consultant out there. And somewhere you decided to own it. And I'm curious, was it that moment or was it a little bit at a time? I mean, talk us through how you started to yeah. own it. That's a really fun way to ask that question because, yes, like many people, I resist an idea or I resist good advice and I grit my teeth and I'm like, that'll never work. But then I go away for a day or two, kind of sit in it and realize what the heck do I have to lose? Absolutely nothing. What do I have to gain? Absolutely everything. I let myself stew in all of my excuses of all the people I had seen die. All of the people that faith hadn't worked for, they believed, they didn't get healed, blah, 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 blah. If I go around saying I'm going to get healed and I don't, well, look at that. I'm a crazy person. Everybody's going to think I'm nuts. And then (laughs) I just realized so many things. Like one, if I said I was going to be healed and I wasn't and I died, I'm not going to care. I'd be dead. So nothing to lose looking like a crazy person. Two, Doc reminded me that those were their stories and this was mine and only I could be the author of my own story. But I did get to be the author of my story. Like this was my chance to choose. And he also said, you've got to ignore all of the evidence of anything ever that didn't work that is not helpful to you right now. It's not burying your head in the sand. It is simply refusing to let in information that is not helpful and collect all of the evidence that it is. So all you need to look at is that in the Bible, every single person who asked Jesus for healing got it. The end. Like, (laughs) that's the only helpful part for you to focus on right in this moment. So I rose to the challenge. Like, I'm that kind of person. 
I might get angry with someone for saying something, but then I go away and then I come back. I'm like, you were totally right. Thank you. <laughs> so okay. Okay. It, it took me that moment. It took me that moment. And I definitely dug through, but then I just decided, what do I have to lose? Nothing, everything to gain. I'm going to start doing what he said, which is change my thinking. And right now my thinking is on a constant spinning hamster wheel of you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. I'm so afraid you're going to die. I literally couldn't concentrate on anything. I couldn't concentrate on work. Couldn't concentrate on friends. If I was in a room with you, I wasn't really there. It was just spinning. You're going to die. And I first just tried to tell myself, don't be afraid. Be courageous. Be brave. You have faith. Yeah, that works real well. Not at all. <laughs> Not, well, I can relate to that. I can relate to that because when I had my accident and the zip line broke and I was in excruciating, uncontrollable pain, I just wanted the pain to stop. And I could not stop thinking about it. And all the yes. positive thinking and this positivity that I'm known for, it really hit the test there. You never know what you're made of until you're really, really, really tested. And you're being tested. You're telling yourself, be bold, and I can do this. Still, in the background, it's always spinning. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm yeah. going to die. I don't want to die. So keep sharing, please. This is really helpful. Okay. So the first thing that kind of clicked in that process was that the fear made the symptoms even worse. I'll tell you, down the road, I had a really big, obvious aha moment of this. But in the early days, I noticed quickly, I would go from kind of choking, and then I would think about how terrified I was that I was going to die. And I would pass out on the bathroom floor. Like, boom, it would knock me out. I would be so afraid that whatever muscles were left would stop working. Whatever functions were still there would freeze and it would make the symptoms worse. Or like you said, I would focus on the pain. I would feel the migraine in my skull pounding. And all I could think about was that. So I started realizing that if I was going to get over this, I had to do something about the fear first and just telling it to go away wasn't working. So I realized I had to drown it out. I had to intentionally replace it. And that is what I started to do. I looked for every single input I could find that talked about healing and that said, healing is for you. And I didn't care how reputable the person was. I didn't care their backstory, their life story or anything. I would just play that audio. I would play verses about healing on repeat. I would play Psalms while I slept, if I could sleep at all. I would read out these verses about healing to myself. I would ask my family to read them to me if I couldn't talk. Like I would just put it all in. Slowly, the fear started to loosen. I started to see improvements. Like some function started coming back. I'm breathing better. I'm swallowing better. I'm really? doing all these things. What is this, a day, and a week, a month? You say slowly. What is that? Months. What's this? Month? <laughs> months. So you're months. still in physical pain. You still have mental anguish. This is not like, oh, I found out and now I'm going to get some some treatment and now I'm, I feel better in a week. This is months. Months and ultimately years of this <sighs> journey. The other part of that is that I always thought that healing either works instantly or it doesn't work at all. I am healed or eh, it's not working. But okay. instead, I had to start collecting evidence of every tiny piece of improvement and say, it is working. I am being healed and let that be my story and not reject it because I wasn't getting the perfect instant healing that I was praying for. So I started getting better and better and better and better. And six months in, I think, I was almost completely well physically. My body was functioning muscles that had been atrophied that doctors said wouldn't come back even if they took the tumor out, they had come back because they said, well, that's nerve damage. It's permanent. Even if we manage to remove the tumor, these will still be atrophied and you'll really? still have nerve damage and all this stuff. So despite what they had said, 
it started coming back and I was getting better and better and better. No, tell me, tell me. So it's starting to come back. What was your diet during this time? What was your weight? Did you lose more weight? Did you gain a bunch of weight? Did you go out or stay home? And what was, uh, t- talk a little bit about that, the nutrition, <laughs> the weight, the, what, what, what's your daily well, routine? <laughs> I wasn't super focused on a specific diet. I was just okay. trying to eat anything at yes. first, like, yay, okay. smoothies. Yay, I can eat some food. Then swallowing started coming back and I went back to a fairly normal diet in the first couple of months probably gained five pounds back, stayed really lean, but not a skeleton. Like I was, I was doing good. There were probably some things I should have not done, like never have sugar or other things, but I was more focused on just living than trying trying to cure it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We forget about that when we're healthy now that I'm just trying to survive. So if I'm asking the wrong question, I can appreciate that. Uh, Just living. Now I know a lot more about health and I might've used that as part of my arsenal for dissolving cells or different things, but it wasn't then. So I simply stuck with the way I was eating, which was relatively clean, not obsessive. I was getting better and better and better. And I thought I've conquered fear. I am clearly healed. I'm excited to go for my first six month checkup where they're going to do an MRI and they're going to show me this clean scan. I'm going to have all this evidence that it's gone for good. And obviously it's all better. Everything's good. I get the MRI and instead of hearing all this great news, they come out and they tell me, well, it's actually the same size or maybe bigger. We can't quite tell because it's on a different machine. And not only is it maybe bigger, but also here's the next like five symptoms you're probably going to see happen to you, like numbness in your jaw and this and this. So keep an eye out for that. And oh, by the way, we can't help you. Like our machines aren't set up to work on this area of your brain. It would probably make it worse, but maybe this other doctor could help you. So we'll put you on his roster for another six months from now. Just go home and hold on. (laughs) Kind of. Another, what happens next? Results I just want some, some clarity. Uh, just results want... are inconclusive. Oh, man. I, what? Yeah. Darn certainty. And so I walked into that appointment full of faith and I left completely crushed. Ugh. That was the moment that I really realized I had to choose not to take the doctor's word as the last word, not to put the doctor as an authority over God or over my faith or even over what I knew was happening. And that it didn't really matter what the MRI said. It mattered what I knew to be true. I got some really cool verses to back up that, what I was learning. But first, that was the moment of the revelation that fear was as deadly as the tumor. Because when I walked in full of faith, my body was doing well. When I left and sobbed all the way home, I woke up the next morning with all of my symptoms back, plus some new ones. Just like that. That was the moment that I knew it wasn't just about any particular thought or thing. It was also about who am I listening to? What am I believing? And that what you believe matters and it truly will change your body. So I needed to change what I believed. Once again, I cried. I licked my wounds. I got mad at life. Why me, God? All of the things. But then pretty quickly, I got back on that. Well, if it worked once, it'll work again. And I'm just going to go after it again. I'm going to go do these things. But I knew I needed to dig even deeper on the fear because obviously it was still very, very powerful and making bad things happen. So I dug into what am I actually afraid of? I thought it was dying. I thought I was just afraid of dying. But when I sat with it, I realized 
nah, I know where I'm going to go. I'm not actually afraid of dying. I'm afraid of living with a lower quality of life because I believe that my quality of life determines my happiness. And I like running and dancing and riding horses and riding motorcycles. And that is me. And I am strong or I was. If I'm not that, who am I? And I don't want to live like that. Yes. But then I realized in different moments over the next couple of days that even when the pain was pounding, I could choose in that moment to find joy anyhow and surrender my desire for healing. And I have learned throughout this that (laughs) this story ends very well, but I have learned throughout this journey that my success, both in health and then later in business, were a result of massive action and then massive surrender. This is amazing. I know our listeners are on the edge of their seats and I've got goosebumps right now because you just shared the moment that a number of other people who have been on the show have had massively traumatic, life-defining, course-changing challenges like you are describing. This may be like the biggest one I've ever heard. This is hats off to you, love and respect for the way that you've navigated through this. You just shared the moment where you, you used the word surrender. And for me, when my identity was shattered because I'm the tallest person in every room, the most athletic person in the room, and then I now am confined to a wheelchair and I'm not physically as fit and everything's changed. When I learned to accept that and put my faith into God, put my faith into a higher power that I cannot control everything, and I'm going to <laughs> accept that this is where I am and I'm going to do the very best of what I have right now to make a positive story moving forward. That was the way I framed it. You framed it in your terms as surrender, and you are going to control it moving forward to the best of your ability with surrender present. So I wanted to just honor you for sharing that that was the turning point when you decided to surrender. And it came when you already thought you'd won. You already thought six months, hey, we're making progress. This is going to be a great diagnosis. We're we're reversing this. And results were inconclusive again. And appreciate you for, for, well, A, having the courage to take the patient route, not overnight success. You know, it took months of patient follow-through and not knowing. I'm going to stop talking now. I'm just super excited to to hear you (laughs) share it that we're here today speaking. So please take us where you will from here. Well, thank you. No, thank you for interjecting that there. And I haven't heard enough of your story. So if more parts of it tie to this, please, by all means, interject them. That's why we're here together to make the best dual story that someone is going to hear and it's going to get them unstuck. And maybe it's going to get them completely healed. But no matter what, it's going to help them know that they are not helpless or hopeless. That's right. They have choice. So I learned that the only thing I could actually control, Johanna White, type A, control freak, wanted to make everything perfect all the time. And it turned out the only thing I could actually control was my thoughts. But I learned by changing my thoughts, I had a whole lot more impact on the outcome of my life than I ever thought possible when I was trying to control my life and the people around me and circumstances. So I get hit with this whopper of once again, still inconclusive. And I dug into it. I'm terrified. What am I actually afraid of? I'm afraid of living in a wheelchair. I'm afraid of living on a feeding tube. Those were some of the things they told me could be the next symptoms. I'm afraid of this. And that if those happened, that I would be sad miserable, unhappy human. And I've always been this bubbly little joyful thing. What am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to be Pollyanna optimist anymore. I'm going to just have to be a sad, miserable human because I'm on a feeding tube. 
But when I realized that it was my choice and in the moments of the migraines or in the moments where I'm, I'm on a train with my boyfriend taking him to see the Cubs for his birthday and it's sunny and happy and it should be a great day, but I'm in pain and misery yes. and I can like see the people around me having fun, but I'm just there. Yes. Those yes. moments were the moments when I built an altar in my mind and I just went, all right, Lord, I've done everything I know how to do. I thought you wanted me to be healed. Now I'm just surrendering. And I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to be here today with as much of me as I can be <laughs> for as many days as I have left. That became my new mantra. Like I do all the thoughts, change the thoughts, still believe. Like I had to still keep believing that I could be healed, but also surrender if I am not, which is sometimes a tricky line to walk. Like if you're surrendering, then are you giving up hope? All of these things. Yeah. But it was like, no, I'm going to mm -hmm. do I'm still going to put in every thought. I'm going to be willing to be disappointed. I'm going to remain hopeful, Yes, but I am going to surrender. I expect the best and prepared for the challenge. I accept and surrender <laughs> to that. Yeah, that's great. Oh, quick pause here. I'm curious. Is this yeah. amazing? Well, before I get to the amazing Boilermaker husband, <laughs> is this person you just described as boyfriend going to the Cubs game? Is this the same person that eventually became Boilermaker husband? Is this, is this that same? It man? is. It, so he it is. was with you through all of this? He actually announced to me that he wanted to date me the day I came home from that six-month appointment sobbing with terror. What? Yeah. Wow. I know. Wow. Okay. So real, real quick, 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds, I'll time you. What are the three most amazing things about this amazing, I'm going to call him Boilermaker husband until you name him, but what are the most amazing things about this man you call husband? Well, one, he was not at all afraid of the outcome. He had absolute faith, but no concern whatsoever. Like, I didn't want to date. I don't know what's going to happen. Why would I want anyone to go through that? And he was just not even worried about it. He's like, I want to date you. I want to marry you. I'm not scared. And that was amazing. Also, he had more faith in me than I had in myself. I think my faith in myself has risen a lot over the last 10 years, so now we're pretty equal. But nice. back in that time, like, I actually quit my job and started Designed by Joe two or three days after the diagnosis. What? Okay. We're, we're going to go on a different <laughs> different path here in a minute. When you finish uh, honoring this, back to your that. husband, we're, we're going to go back uh, yeah. to that. He had known me. We had been friends for probably a year before that. And his response to me quitting my job was like, what took you so long? I knew you were capable of so much more. Why were you just sitting there waiting it out? So no fear. And then... He just loves me for who I am and didn't want to change me. It felt good. Like I had comparison relationships at the time where people were like, I really like you. I think you're amazing, but it would be better if you didn't do ballroom dancing and wear those flashy outfits or if you didn't do this thing or like random things that they would decide were wrong with me. And Zach was just like, whatever. You're awesome. I love you. And it felt very freeing. There was never guilt if it was a long time before I could talk to him because I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. There was never like, why haven't you called me in three weeks? He was just there and really steady and really consistent. And one time I had a horrible anger blow up at him and said something, some extremely hurtful things in the early days, I think back before we even officially started dating. Instead of getting angry back, he just said, wow. That must have been super, super painful for you. I'm so sorry you went through that. 
That is I a page on the, the master dad playbook right there when your kids <laughs> blow up. So you had this blow up and he fed love back to you. And wow, what a great example of emotional intelligence. Kudos. Yeah. Kudos to Zach, man. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to change the podcast style. And now Zach is going to come on. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I, I love this man already. Uh, and just the ability to stick with and support and guide and love through all that time. That's amazing. So kudos to Zach. And I'd love to talk to you forever. Before we end it forever, though, let's let's go back down a I different know, path. I know. I left some let's, cliffhangers. Let's, yeah. Let's come back. You started a business. What? Okay. So let's go back to your business. I'd like to take the next few minutes to talk a little bit about your business and your brand because you're one of the best out there. We've been talking about your amazing story. I'd love to honor your business a little bit, share a little bit about that. But where did your business start and why in the middle of all of this, in the beginning of all this? So please, please share. Okay. I'm going to answer that. But first, I have to do a favor to your guests and not leave them hanging off a cliff because I get this feedback like, oh, my gosh. So they type in the episode, what happened? Is she okay? What happened? So I need to wrap that for their sake (laughs) with I never got a clean MRI. I never got my certainty. But what I did get was a fully healed body and a lot of just confidence and knowing that I was healed and that it was time to walk away from doctors who couldn't help anyhow. We had even tried surgery. I had been on an operating table and the doctor literally came in that like right before the surgery and changed his mind and said it was too risky and he couldn't do it. So there were lots of up and downs. I have whole podcast episodes just about that. If they're like, what? I need to know more. But I got completely healed. And the final healing happened when I had the faith to finally stop searching for certainty and just say, I choose joy and I choose love and belief and faith. And I am going to do things because they are a gift, no more because they were my identity. So I started doing yoga and working out and moving my body simply because I could move, not because it made me stronger. Because in that moment, it didn't. It didn't work anymore. Everything that had worked before didn't work. But I changed my reason for it. And I started doing it because today was a gift. And as long as I could move today, I was going to move. When I changed my why, then my body started to respond and it started to heal. And I got stronger and stronger. Now my left side is my strong side. All the muscles are there. And (laughs) so, yeah, it's been 10 years. I haven't been back to a doctor in seven, probably. But I get to be a walking, talking, living miracle every day. And I don't get the certainty. And I don't get to prove anything, which was probably God's just like little chuckle because I was such a prover, such a, I'm not going to be a fraud or an imposter. (laughs) I got nothing. I cannot prove this to you, Matt, but I got completely healed. And I got married in a beautiful beach wedding in the Dominican Republic and galloped horses down the beach. And it was magical. And Boiler boiler Maker Man should be on your show. He's now a coach for engineers. And he is showing them the same consistent, just showing upness that he showed me. And he's changing lives. So he would be an epic guest. I will connect you. Yeah, I, okay. I'd like to. I'd like to have him on the show. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> you can ask him his side of the story. It might be totally different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally different. He's like, man, I, I just wanted to ride a horse. Okay, let's see, let's see. I just want to ride a horse on a beach, and it took ten years. No, 
Oh, this is good. I love that Zach's present in this story. I'd love to have him on the show. And this is just amazing the way you blessed us, Johanna. And we're going to run out of time if we don't keep moving. So let's Okay, so let's I'm going to answer rolling. the question you just asked, which was like, business, huh? What? What do you do? Where the heck did it come into this? So That's right. What, <laughs> what I am today is I am a brand magician and a dreamer extraordinaire. I do high-impact brand identities and custom websites for elite experts and individuals and companies who are truly the best in the world at what they do, but they don't look like it yet. So I help them create a brand and a message and show up in the world with the full value of who they are so that they can magnetize their dream audience and be as delightfully expensive as they deserve to be. And I care about that so much because when I was diagnosed, I was working this dead-end job. I was not being anything close to who I was meant to be. I was existing. I was not living. And I knew that. And I looked around right after the diagnosis and I said, I'm not going out like this. If I die, I'd rather die a failure than someone who never even tried. I can see what I'm capable of. I'm not even close to living up to my potential. There has to be more. And there are so many ways that people these days help others step into what they're called to do and what they're capable of. But branding was something I did really love. I just knew I wasn't even close to using it like it could be. In the early days, I was just doing minimal graphic design. I was designing ads and things like that. But I wasn't really changing the clients' lives. And I knew that. So I quit. I walked out of the office. I started knocking on doors on the street that the agency was on. And I would pop my head and I'd be like, hi, I'm Johanna. I design things. Do you need stuff designed? And I Mary Kay ladied my way down the street. Nice. Nice. First, oh, I love it. I love it. Clients and started Design by Joe with a whopping like 10 hours of freelance work on the clock. At first, it was enough just to start it. I also started a company called Iconic Moto with two friends. We were designing apparel and building custom cafe racer motorcycles. Then I started Uniquely Yoga, which was an online boutique that sold yoga pants made out of recycled water bottles. They all had their own reasons for why it was like some part of my passion that I felt like I wasn't tapping into. And so I just kind of went, like, now is the time. I'm going to do all of the things I've never done. And since then, those... Uniquely Yoga and Iconic have both been shut down. We closed those down. They weren't meant for long-term. But Designed by Joe, I started building it. And when I was still sick and when I was still mired in uncertainty and fear, it gave me something to focus on on the other side. It gave me, one, an outlet for what I knew I was capable of. But two, it gave me something to look at that wasn't the pain. It gave me something to think about that wasn't the mess. And It was a way for me to picture myself on the other side of this already healed and well and successful and confident. And like, there is a Johanna on the other side of this and she is a badass. Because I knew that if I only just survived this, what a waste. (laughs) If I went through all of this and on the other side, I was still scared, making my decisions based on fear and staying in mediocrity just to be certain and safe. Like what a waste. I could not do that anymore. And so I started this as an outlet for that. But then as many business owners will relate to, you get this big push of motivation to start and you do this flurry of amazingness and you launch your business and then you coast. At least that's what happened to me. 
I felt like I had succeeded because I had started it. And then it's three years on the other side of the tumor. And I realize I've gone from working a mediocre job for somebody else to now working a mediocre job for myself. Only now I'm the boss. I don't pay very well. And it's not great. And I'm working a ton of hours. And um, hang on a second. I already decided I didn't come this far to only come this far, but it's happening again. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. something needs to change. I said, I learned a ton during that brain tumor. I learned that what you believe matters, but what you do about what you believe matters way more. That's when the change happens. And so I took that nugget and I applied it to my business. I was a person who could revolutionize how you show up in the world through your brand, revolutionize what you charge who you get to work with, and the type of life you get to live after. But it didn't look like it if you looked at my brand. I just looked like any other designer with a portfolio website, with average business cards, with low prices because I was scared to own what I was worth and all of these things and offerings. You tell me what you want and I'll just make it for you. And... (laughs) I was terrified to show up as an expert and to own the space and to tell people what they needed instead of just waiting for them to tell me what they wanted. But I was like, okay, I I know this. I learned this. You got to actually do something about what you believe. Now is the time. So I tore apart my business. I put myself on the calendar. I didn't take any clients for three months. And I totally rebranded myself. I took myself through the whole process. I redid my messaging. I redid my visuals. I redid my website. I did intentional photo shoots. I made these crazy epic business cards that I literally dunked in gold and they have gold dripping off them on my website. And I said, it's not enough to just tell people that I know how to make them show up as premium or as luxury or to take their part in the market. I'm going to do this to myself and just show them instead of trying to tell them till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, I can back that up because I'm looking <laughs> at your media kit right now and it is full of energy and it is glowing. And this is who I knew before we hopped on this interview today is I knew this and there's so much energy and this is the most amazing media kit that I have seen. I'm looking at your gold card right now. This is, <laughs> I didn't know what that was. Now I know what it is. This is super cool. Designed by joestudio.com. That's going to be in the show notes, everybody. And she's on all the major social medias here. We got Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Is there a preferred one to reach out to you and find out more about you, Johanna? Well, if they're curious about any of this, I recommend they visit my website designedbyjoestudio.com. If they are looking for a way to level up, if they're looking at their brand and they're realizing they're not showing up as who they actually are, and because of it, they're stuck undercharging, they're not working with the right clients, they're having to take on everybody who will say yes to them, and they're working a ton of hours and not enough payday for that hours, it usually means there's a disconnect in their brand. People aren't perceiving their value. And so if that's them, go to my website, read about yourself. And if it is you, then click that book a consult button and let's talk. It's a free consult. That's the best way for them to kind of learn. There's also a media page on my website where they can listen to more podcasts and hear more of the brain tumor story if we left them hanging. But if they just want to follow me on my world adventures, because I don't just do brands here, I take my clients across the globe. Instagram is at designed by Joe studio. And I just got back from a trip to Italy and Greece with a client where we were doing her brand. She's US-based, but we wanted to create her 
visuals in the place in the world that lights her up the very most. So we were in Italy and Greece doing this epic brand experience, and you'll see more travel photos than branding oh photos gosh. right yeah, now. Yeah, this is super cool. Look <laughs> at all this stuff on here. Awesome. Awesome. But more actual what I do photos coming soon. I just am a little behind on that. I've been busy globetrotting. So yes, awesome. they can show up there. I just am so, so passionate about now helping other humans tap into their limitless potential because I know what it's like to spend a huge chunk of your life chasing certainty only to find out, like most of the world did during COVID, that oops, certainty is actually illusion. There is Mm. no such thing. (laughs) We cannot control the world, but we can change our thoughts. And if we change our thoughts, we can change our life. Wow. Spoken by someone who is not repeating something you see on some website or some meme, spoken by someone who has been forced to battle for her life to stay alive. And there's there's a big difference between someone who's the armchair quarterback, the Starbucks philosopher, and someone who was forced to surrender and change the way they think. Just a lot of love and respect to you, Joe, for this. I think this has been a game changer for me just listening to you. And even the last thing you said, certainty is just an illusion. From one person who used to identify as a control freak, now I'd say more of a recovering perfectionist, uh, (laughs) certainty is just an illusion. You'd rather try and fail than never even try. You're chasing joy, you're living a a life of love, and you don't require that same type of certainty that you used to. You are truly the author of your own book, your own story as you go. So nothing but respect to you for everything you've shared so far. I'd love to wrap up with a question. It's a question I ask everyone. When you hear the name of our show, Eternal Optimist Podcast, what does Eternal Optimist mean to you, Johanna? Well, like I said, when I woke up this morning and saw that name on my calendar and remembered that I get to be on here, I just was so excited because I picture someone who gets up as many times as they get knocked down, plus one. I picture someone like Winston Churchill's phrase about the true hero is the one in the arena covered in blood, sweat, and tears, and who pulls himself back up out of the dust rather than the person jeering on that they fell from the sidelines. So to me, that's the eternal optimist, is someone who is always choosing to collect evidence that life is for them, not against them, and finding the good in everything. And because they do that, more good happens to them and to others. Amazing. Amazing. Yohanna, this has been truly a real treat. Thank you very much for gifting us with your time, your energy, your story. You know, we're full of love and we're full of inspiration right now and hope because of this. And just thank you for everything. It's been a real true pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It has made my day. 